0: Yeah, I've got to get on to dad about these. Uh, every time I speak now, it's like he's either sick or in the hospital or something. i got to... Come on, man. Give me a little bit of time to prepare. Have some fun, you know? Uh, so, yeah, we... It's been a crazy week. Um, started the week with Anna losing her grandfather and then dad having emergency surgery. But, you know, like... I'm not we're not down or anything like that because we know that God is faithful. We're thankful for we see God working in all the different things and see him working in all of our lives and um I'm and dad always jokes and he says that the voice of God sounds a lot like my wife and that's true this week because dad did not want to go to the doctor. And so men, uh, here's an example that you need to listen to your wife. He uh, was having stomach pains, and uh, mom was like, that doesn't sound right. And, of course, I don't think my mom's a hypochondriac, but she does think a little bit deeper than that's just a virus. And so uh, she had had her gallbladder removed a few years ago, so she kind of understood, no, this isn't normal. And she she told him, hey, you know, uh, if you're still doing this tomorrow morning, you're going to go see the doctor. So he went to the doctor and they found out that his um, appendix was inflamed. And so long story short, we found ourselves at at, uh, St. Mary's and a few hours later, he had no appendix. So, uh, and he was talking to the nurses and that was funny to watch. So (laughs) um, that that was really interesting. And you know, what's crazy uh, is we left there and we went to Steak and Shake um, after, and mom and I, this isn't part of the message, but this, this really cool story. Um, Mom and I were talking and um, just talking about ministry, talking about life, and Jessica there was, was there with us. And uh, Mom was like, you know, um, I want to just start ministering more to people on the daily and just how we can do Be Salt and Light. And so the next thing I knew, I told Mom I was going to grab the bill and all the things. And so I see her over there talking to our waitress, and I'm like, Great mom. I said, I was picking up the check, like quit being, trying to be mom and pay out from underneath me and go over there. And the next thing I see is the waitress starts bawling and just runs off. And I'm like, great mom, what in the world are you doing over there? (laughs) Like we're going to get kicked out of steak and shake. Um, and so then mom's like writing some stuff down on a card and I'm like, what in the world's going on? And, uh, so I was like, what did you do? (laughs) She said, I asked her how I could pray for her. That was it. And uh, the young lady said, well, you can start by praying because my husband said he was going to kill himself tonight and I'm having to work and I can't go home to do anything. That's ministry. And, of course, I was going to give her a decent tip because, I mean, her bill came out to like $25. I was like, God, <laughs> I mean, there's like nobody here. And this girl did really great. And so, you know, I'd try to give her a good tip and all of that. Mom gave her her information and and, and said, call our number. Like, we've got connects that can help you, can help him. Um, But just a simple question, how can I pray for you? She had no clue. I mean, we were just in the hospital. If anything, Mom could be saying, don't you want to ask me how you can pray for me? But no, she just went up to this young married lady and said, how can I pray for you? we had no clue she smiled the whole time and then at that point obviously she lost it we'd never know what people are going through and one of the things that originally i was going to speak on the great commission this morning and talk about what now you know and and go from that but i really felt that god was leading me elsewhere um, which is what he does so in the little time i had to prepare this week he gives me a swerve last minute and. The text today is Psalm 23, and I know many of you know Psalm 23, some of you probably remember it as a kid, you can recite it with your eyes closed. If you have your phone, pull it out. If you got your physical Bible, pull it out. We're just going to take a few minutes and dive in. There's only six verses, but this is some of the most well-known scripture, I think probably one of the most well-known passages in the Bible, but ironically, I think there's a lot here that we don't you know how sometimes you just know stuff, but you don't really think about what the words are and and the the meaning behind it. Um, I I think this is one of those passages. And so um, I wrote down eight things and each of them is going to take 10 minutes to explain. So we'll get out of here at like one o'clock. So it's a joke. Just making sure you're paying attention. Uh, So let's just read it. Um, And in fact, like if you're cool with it, let's read it out loud. I'm a big fan of that. Let's, you know, don't feel like the person next to you is going to, I'm reading from the ESV. So if you read something else, you're not like wrong. Um, So let's read this out together. Let's start with verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now I can't hear you. So let's try that again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word and this text that we all so know so well. I pray that you would open our eyes this morning, open our hearts this morning to re-examine where we are in life. And, and look at your word and to unpack it deeper. And to understand the love and the grace and the richness that we have in you. In your name we pray. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, when I was a kid, I was like, man, that guy got that all wrong. <laughs> like, when whenever we would read that verse, I was like, I want Jesus. Like, I don't understand. Like, I want God. But that's not what that means. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, it sounds funny as an adult thinking that i thought as a kid that means that you don't want god but what the writer and the author of this is meaning which was david is that the lord is my shepherd semicolon stop that thought i shall not want now in a consumeristic generation where we are always wanting things all the time it you get a trophy for just showing up for everything we don't understand what it's like to not need something or not to want something we're always constantly wanting something whether it's big boy toys like a new boat a new truck uh a, you know a big deer or it's other things like a new job bigger paycheck um or a different job in a different place um i want <laughs> sorry not used to the mic. Going like that, um, it, it, we don't understand not not wanting something. We're always constantly wanting something, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we want a day off. Anybody? Okay, got Pentecostal on that one. Um, always striving and wanting something. This verse very clearly already says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Coming to a place of complete contentment. I mean, could you imagine what that's really like in life? To be at a place of complete 100% contentment? He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. The first thing I wrote down this morning is that the Lord cares for His people. And that comes from the first line. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, Has anybody ever seen a real sheep? Anybody? Okay. Sheep are dumb. Okay. They're really dumb. Like, you ever seen those videos on Facebook where it's just like, they just keep one runs in front of a car, and then it's like 300 just come right behind it. None of them think about danger. I've heard it said that if one sheep jumps off a cliff, the rest of them are going to follow. Like, being a shepherd it it takes a lot of patience to to be with sheep but the shepherd his job is to protect and to care for the sheep and we don't really understand this very much in our society because nobody here is a shepherd some of you may have livestock which i understand you understand what it means to care for um other of you have livestock or you call them your kids um (laughs) you'll get that later uh but we, to, to care, he is a caregiver. That, and I love that this whole passage that kind of unpacks a lot of different things starts with care, that God cares for his people. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. Anybody ever heard the grass is greener on the other side? Yeah? Well, sheep are the same way. They, they're always chasing the green grass. But what I love about this is that it's not really talking about the green pastures as much as it's provision. He makes me lie down. Anybody else catch that? He makes me lie down in green pastures. The point here that I wrote down, and we will unpack this a little bit, is that the Lord provides for us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And let's look at how. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I'm, I'm I'm a workaholic. That's just how I am. I just work nonstop, constantly on something, always wanting to do something. Uh, Anna is really good, always thinking about cleaning our house. Our house is usually always clean. So always doing something. And it's really easy um, in our generation. I feel like we're constantly going all the time. Anybody else feel that way? Like one thing to the next thing to the next thing. So you work. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Like 40 hours. Then as soon as you get off of that, you're driving. And as soon as you get off of that, you're, you're you know trying to spend some time with your kids. You're trying to do these things. You've got extracurricular activities that you're trying to do, whether it's sports or trying to be a good human being and then you look down at your phone you're like oh my gosh i don't have any more time gotta wake up and do it again the next day and it's just 24 7. josh and i were in new york city this last weekend and this just shows my southern boy ignorance we were looking at when the subway closed we're like oh man we want to make sure we don't want to be like stuck in the middle of manhattan and and, and not be able to be here. And so, what, what's the first thing you do nowadays? You pull your phone out and you Google it. So, um, I pulled it out and I said, what time does the subway close? And, and I read this interesting statement. It said, New York City is known for having the only transportation in the world that is 24-7, 365, always. Buses, the subway, it's always going. Now, funny story. It is always going, but it might not be going where you think it's going after certain hours. So make sure you download that app when you're up there because it is confusing. Uh, We just found ourselves in the middle of nowhere, but praise God for Uber. So we're good there. But think about that 24 seven, like back in the day in society, there were built-in pauses. Like nobody would work on Sunday because everybody would just go home and be with their family. There were no restaurants open on Sunday because everybody didn't want, didn't expect someone else to make food for them on Sunday. So they just would go home and be with their families. Uh, Saturday, same exact same thing. We're going to take the weekend off. We're going to work hard. We're going to clock in at 9 o'clock. We're going to clock out at 5 o'clock, go home, and every that was it. I mean, I remember, like, I know that there's a lot of different age groups in this room. So I'm just going to speak my memory here. But I remember what it was like to have an answering machine, right? And you would go and actually check the messages, and it wasn't like the world would stop. It's like, oh, so-and-so called me. I think I will give them a call back. Now it's like you miss a text, and it's like 10 minutes later, you haven't responded. You're getting like, question mark, question mark, question mark. You there? I saw your red receipt. Like, and then you see the little dot, 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 and you're just waiting, Right. It's 24-7. There's no stop. It's all all the time, constantly something to do. You know, uh, you pull out your phone and and literally get lost in a world 24-7 at night, whatever. 24-7 at Walmart. 24-7 at IHOP. 24-7 at Waffle House. Metro up in, you know, New York. Their transportation services. It's the city that never sleeps. But God says david says in psalm 23 he makes me lie down some of y'all are wanting rest this morning and i'm one of you the lord provides for us physically spiritually and emotionally he knows what we need his ways are different than this world did you know that The verse that says, he leads me beside still waters. Did you know that sheep won't drink from running water? Did you know that? A sheep will not drink from a river. So it has to be a pool. But here's the thing. It can't be just any pool because you know that stuff gets like nasty. So it has to be like an underground water system. But as still waters. That's what, so that's the reason why it says he leads me by still waters. God knows how to provide for us, even in, through our stubbornness. Because, like I said, a sheep will not drink from a water. Even in the waters up in North Georgia where it's, like, pure, they wouldn't drink from it. It has to be from a pool. He restores my soul. Does anybody else just read that verse and go, give me some of that? I need that. The Lord restores our soul. I'm going to read this because this is way better than I could have written. So I'm just going to give it to you. In in the study Bible, the ESV study Bible, it says, The restoration, the refreshment, or the revival of the soul or life. Indicates the returning of life or vitality. I, I can just only think that. Are we being restored by God? Like are we allowing him. To breathe new life into us. Or are we constantly. Just in our daily grind. Just running and running and running and running. And not stopping. To just allow God to restore us. Matt fixes cars. How hard would it be to restore a vehicle that's constantly on the move? It'd be impossible. Unless you're just like crazy, dropping a motor as it's riding down the road. To be restored, it takes time. To be restored, we must pause. To be restored, we must hang out in the green pasture, lie down in the green pasture to drink from the still water. And let me tell you, I'm the world's worst at this. I constantly run, 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 run instead of receive. Miss Elsie and I, we've talked about this, but in today's, you know, modern practices, people do yoga, they do meditation, and I'm not saying anything wrong with either one of those things. But with the secular worldview, it's to come to a place of emptiness. I don't think that's what God wants from us. I think what God really wants is is us to come to a place of fullness. So when we stop, when we pause, and when we think of God's greatness, when we think of and meditate on how God has what he's done for us and what he has for us, we leave with a place of fulfillment we leave with being filled with his holy spirit not empty of ourselves i mean empty of ourselves but full of god's spirit so that's that's free that was something different he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake the lord gives us direction um short story our world is just so upside down and millennials have no boundaries or concept of absolute truth that this concept in and of itself could completely change a generation. Uh, God's word is true. It's something that we can hang our hat on. But when you're philosophy when your ideas are always like well maybe that's true for you or my truth is or Redefining all of these things that have been true for thousands and thousands of years Just because of your own opinion or to make you feel better It It just leaves you it just wayward people are just floundering and just hoping that they can find some sense in life But god is very clear. He gives us direction his word says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. Or another word for it is he leads us in the right path. In the south, there's a statement, and you'll know exactly what I'm about to say. He went down the wrong path. You know what I'm saying? That, that basically means that he's drinking, he's smoking, he's sleeping with somebody. That's usually what that means. Um, but God directs us down the right path. I just thought that was interesting. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord comforts in times of trouble and darkness. You know, this verse is interesting because... I think it can be two different meanings when it comes to shadow of death. You know, the Bible talks about actual valleys that had shadows. So when you walk through it, it would be basically dark. It would just be complete darkness. And that's the visual picture. Um, I do believe it could be in the shadow of death, a.k.a. I mean, Canaan was living that this week. Dad had that unexpected surgery. And I'll be honest with you, it's just different thing when you're on the other side of the curtain as a family member as a you know patient it's just a different feeling when you know people are praying for you and that you are in a place that this could be life or death it's just a completely different feeling and I do believe that that is one of the interpretations that can be had here the valley of the shadow of death But I do think that there's another way in our society that that can be applied to as well. In my translation, it said there's another potential meaning, meaning the valley of deep darkness. And in our time, we call deep darkness depression. And that's something that a lot of people don't talk about in church. But we're going to talk about it for a second here. Depression is very real, and I mean, it's something that many of us struggle with, and God, I'm not saying that, you know, clinical help or medicine or any of those things aren't the answer to help assist, but I am saying that even if we walk through that, where you feel alone, like no one else understands, or you, you have a hard time getting out of bed, or finding purpose, or seeing no end in sight. We can hold on to this and say that I will fear no evil because God is with me. Don't you think that God went through the darkestness, darkness of times of for all humanity? What was it like for Jesus to be on the cross and have his Father forsake him because of our sin? There was a brief moment in time in history that when Jesus was on the cross, and all the sin of all the world, for all time, was placed on him. And God had to turn his back on his son. That's darkness. Jesus had to go into the darkness. He had, in many ways, what is known as the light of the world, had to become darkness. Don't you think that God knows what you're going through? So if you are going through the darkness, know that we can say, I will fear no evil because God is with me. His strength, his mightiness can comfort us. His rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord comforts those in times of trouble or darkness. Now, There's a shift. We leave the shepherding metaphor and we get into the host. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The sixth thing that I wrote down is that the Lord is generous with his children. He prepares a feast, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What would it be like if, you know, you were placed in a place, a few months ago we were talking about the story of Esther and Mordecai came in and Haman was there and Mordecai got raised up and Haman was there having to watch this whole thing. That's a good mental picture of what we're talking about here. A place of honor that God prepares a table for, before us in the presence of our enemies. Meaning that he is going to sustain us. He is going to protect us. He is going to lift us up despite others trying to beat us down. Now, funny story. So there were two phrases in this whole thing that I just got messed up as a kid. I don't know what kind of crazy train I was on, but it just, it was. So, you know, when I said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I really thought that meant I don't like God. That's the first thing I thought. And then this other one is surely goodness. I thought that that was an actual, like, word, just one word, you know, surely goodness. Anybody else thought that? But it's kind of like a comma. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I think that's a good phrase for us to remember because many times we think that someone is always out there to get us. Anybody else feel that way? There's always somebody out there to get you. I see some heads nodding now. What if we shifted that perspective and said, "Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because I know that my God is with me and He is for me." That's a huge shift in perspective. It's not thinking about what others may do to me or what others are trying to do to me, but it's really placing our focus upwards and saying, you know what? My shepherd, he's got me. My God, he's got me because he prepared a place for me. He's prepared a table for me in front of all these people, and he's going to take care of me. He's going to show up, and he's going to whoop some booty. Like, that's what my God can do. And even if they do scheme against me, that's not my focus because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The Lord, this one is one of my favorite ones. Um, These last two verses, the principle that I, I saw through this text is that the Lord is present with his people. When you are focused so much on your enemy, you're forgetting about who's with you. Um... There's something about remembering a presence. And you know what's crazy is that, like, right now God is here. He's here in this place. He's there when you're at work. He's there when you're all alone. He's there when you're in the car. He's there when you're having a a fight with your spouse or, you know, having to discipline your kids. He's there. He sees all the things. He's there with you it's easy for us to forget about his presence. Now, the disciples had Jesus, okay? They had Jesus there with them physically. And I think that they started to freak out a little bit when he ascended back into heaven going, oh, snap, he's not here. And that's why they waited and waited and waited. But then when Pentecost happened in the New Testament, in Acts, you can go read it, that's what I was going to talk about today, but when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit fell, that was God being present with each individual person, in with us, and in us. Where I'm going? Where I'm? Where am I going with this? When we see and we know the presence of God, everything changes. How would your countenance, whether you agree with the man or not, how would your countenance change if president trump walked through the door don't you think that there's a a presence there probably not one of humility i'll put it that way Uh, but there is a presence there or if a celebrity walked in um your favorite movie star your favorite musician there is a presence there the creator of the universe is here with us it's easy to forget it's easy to forget because we are so preoccupied going back to verse one the lord is my shepherd i shall not want when we focus and place our focus on god in his presence in our life we can find true contentment and when that happens there is a constant and daily reminder that all of this other stuff that's happening in our lives is not nearly as important. When you know that your God is with you and he is for you, no matter what you go through, you know that he's, he's there. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord will be with us forever. There's a lot of things I don't agree with with some of Joel Osteen's writings uh, for countless reasons, but um, one of the things that I do like is that we, it's not about us, right? It's not about my best life right now, but it is about heaven coming down in my life right now. If we're waiting for heaven to experience eternity, you're missing out. On the blessing that God has now. And I was just having this discussion with a friend of mine this week about how many times God has called us to do things and we leave so much potential on the table. And one of the reasons why is because of our own personal insecurities. We think, oh, well, God can use that person, but there's no way He could use me. Or, well, that's nice that God used that really wealthy person, but I don't have that kind of money. Or, surely that God would use that person's story, and they had this massive testimony where they could talk about how they were a prostitute, and now they're, you know, helping women get out of sex trafficking. But I'm just someone from a small town who walked down the aisle at 7 and got saved. My story doesn't, is not, can't measure up. That is not true. The truth is, is that if he is your shepherd, that is, that is your story. And the enemy wants to belittle us as much as possible. God wants to use us as much as possible. So, with that being said, examine yourself. Read the, the, What's so great about Psalm 23 is that it's so short that you can read it in just a few minutes. And you can read it every day. And there's so many different, like these eight different things. God cares for his people. God physically provides and spiritually and emotionally. He restores our soul. He gives us direction. He comforts us in times of trouble. He's generous with his children. He's present with his children. And he will be with us forever. I mean, that's just everyday stuff. Like that's specific, but man... Talk about receiving something from God every day. Psalm 23 has got it. My question to you is, do you see God as your shepherd? Because until you recognize that he is your shepherd and that he is present with you, none of these other things will make sense. Because when you know your shepherd, you know that he cares for you. You know that he provides because he has and he will continue to do so in just a minute our guys are gonna pass the the baskets and the joy baskets is what we call them and if you have a prayer request or a praise write it on your connect card and drop it in i really hope that you'll take this week and and try just try to read it once once a day or twice a day um Once in the morning and once at night. I mean, literally, it's six verses. Um, It it doesn't take a long time to read. And just savor the moment. Savor the words that God has in that scripture. And uh, I hope that it encourages you. And I hope that this morning has encouraged you as well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for using David.